0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Whew. It's really here, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I submitted to my wife. We now have all these hardwood floors. <laughs> Took five years, but I did it. Uh, yeah, she loves them. <laughs> what? Being honest, was that me? It was I didn't even do anything. Wow, uh, hey, it's December, and I promise you we'll get to some December messages next week and the week after, and then we'll be off Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. um I don't know what it's hard to. To be off that long, miss you guys for like three weeks or whatever is what it ends up being. But uh, that's just the way we do it around here. And, and part of that was because uh, I always went home to Oklahoma to see my family and just hang out. And it was always hard to do that when I was uh, at Northside. And uh, but I just determined to do it. This and there's plenty of opportunities for you to go to church around here. <laughs> go hear Jess again. Gosh, you know she she was phenomenal. I went home and like listened to it two or three more times uh, last week. I think it's still up. Is it still up on YouTube? The live version of it. You have to like hear Jess. She did a great job. But uh, I want to jump into to First Peter. First Peter today. So we're in a new book, and he wrote two letters. He wrote two letters. The right before First and Second and Third John. And it was written about the same time that John wrote his. And here's what you have to, here's what you have to know. Uh, obviously, you had a lot of missionaries after Jesus died in 30 AD and Pentecost came and uh, everything happened around Jerusalem and Israel. And Peter was like one of the first ones... One of the first ones to like literally share Christ with a Gentile. Gentile being somebody who was not a Jew. Like they were able to come to know Christ. So he was the first one. But it was Paul whose ministry was literally to the Gentiles. He was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. But he focused on reaching the Gentiles. And when he did that, he would go to these different churches. And he would speak to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles. And his focus was on the Gentiles. But, but Peter, he kind of stayed focused on the Jews. Even though he was for Paul and what Paul's mission was and everything else, he probably held on to the law a little bit more. But he knew that Christ was the Messiah. There was no question about it. And he would teach that Christ is the Messiah. And so he and Paul and Barnabas and Tychicus and Epaphras and all these different people travel around establishing churches. And so uh, let me show you the the map real quick. Uh, He literally is in Rome. And if you look at the top left, you'll see Italy, the boot. And Rome is there. And, And this is where Peter is when he actually writes the letter. And when he writes the letter, he says it's to the churches that are in the northwest. So if you look at the top right, you see Bithynia, Pontus, Cappadocia, Galatia, Asia. Those are all areas. Areas. They're not specific cities. But these are where churches that really Paul and Peter and all those missionaries established churches. Obviously you have Israel down here in the Bottom right, Jerusalem, and this is where they started from, was from Israel, and they went up and started spreading the gospel all the way to Rome. So he's writing the letter from Rome and writing to these churches in the area. And at the time, 65 AD this is 35 years after Christ died, churches growing, but who's the emperor at the time? Good old Nero. This is this is world history you guys. This isn't just like Bible history. This is world history. Nero is the emperor of Rome and he is cruel. He is he wants he wants peace, but he wants Roman peace. He wants it to be under his authority, under his leadership. And as long as there's peace, everything is good. But if the Jews are like stirring things up in this Jesus is the Messiah and the Jews are not happy that Jesus is becoming the Messiah. There's opposition. The Christians and the Jews are battling with one another and Nero's like, just wanting to shut it all down. And the only way to do that since the Jews have been around in history the longest is to shut down the Christians, the new religion, the new faith. And so all of a sudden, In the 60s, there's this persecution that's happening from Nero and the Romans. They're like, shut this thing down right now. We need peace. And they're literally persecuting and killing Christians for their beliefs. You think it's hard now here in 2023 about being a believer. We have no idea what it was like back then. When it was young, they didn't have this you have this, and you rely on this to teach you and for you to know and for you to like understand. But occasionally they would get a letter from John, from Peter, from Paul, and that letter would be like passed around as a total encouragement. And this is literally what Peter has done here. He's writing to the churches to say, stay strong, stay strong. Know what you've been taught. Paul's taught you, John's taught you, I've taught you, we've all taught you. Just stay strong. There's other issues that he's learned about just by hearing Epaphras and them coming back and forth and talking about what's happening in these area churches. And there's like, because of the persecution, there's anxiety and stress. Yes, there was anxiety back then. It's not just a new thing in this age, but There was anxiety and stress, and it played out in the home. If you were a believer, you should have peace. But because of the persecution, it caused strife between the husband and the wife, the parents and the children. There was all sorts of anxiety that was going on. And so now he's literally taking the time to sit down and pin this letter to him, just to encourage them and say, hey, I'm going to write this to this church. We're going to send it here. And you guys like copy this letter, copy this letter, and you send it out to the other churches and just be encouraged. So this letter was not written to you. It was written to those churches. It wasn't written to you. But I can sit here today in 2023 and read it and go, it's not much different today. It's not much different today. And I can look at it, and I know God's word speaks to me. I can read this letter from Peter and hear God's voice. I pray that you can hear God's voice. There's a spirit that lives inside of us as believers. And I'm not talking about an audible voice. I've never heard an audible voice. I know there's some in here that say they have. And I'm okay with that. But on a daily, moment by moment, the Spirit is speaking to me. I hope he's speaking to me right now. And to be able to hear the voice of God. It's a pretty amazing thing. And then just as Matt's saying, is just, just live your life. If I hear the voice of God and I live my life, it's going to be good. Uh what what we need to know about uh peter uh in this in this whole situation well first of all he was a fisherman (laughs) man that was his that was his trade that's how he made money that's how he got around was like he fished but i'm sure that as he shared the gospel and he traveled around that people supported his ministry there's no question about it just like you support our ministry and in this letter, he's, he's literally, and I, I speak to this today because I know, I know there's people that are here and there's people that are listening that are suffering. And he uses this word suffer like 12 times in this letter because they're going through persecution. You may not be going through like a Christian persecution, but I know there's people in here that are suffering. And when he writes this letter to them, it can speak to us. And so let's get into First uh, Peter. He sent this letter with Silas. He sent this letter with Silas uh, and to each of the churches. First Peter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter had quality time with Jesus. He's like, he's like one of the favorite disciples because... Uh, at least for me he is, because he seemed like he was very impulsive. He's the guy that jumped out of the boat when he saw Jesus walking on the water. Remember that? And he started walking, and all of a sudden he he took his eyes off Jesus and he started going under. He's the guy that when they came to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he's the one that whipped out his sword and cut off the the soldier's ear. (laughs) And Jesus is like, come on, Peter, put your sword away. (laughs) He was just that guy. He was that guy, but he spent quality time with Jesus. He was able to watch Jesus live and watch Jesus teach. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just to see him face to face. And that was the prerequisite for an apostle when he calls himself an apostle. is It's literally, that means the people that hung out with Jesus. Even Paul, who didn't hang out with Jesus at the time, but he was considered an apostle, but that was because Jesus met him on the road to Damascus and kind of downloaded his whole earthly ministry to Paul. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to those chosen. Oh, here we go. To those chosen. The letter of uh, First Peter basically circulated around to these Christian churches and various groups whom God chose. Like this letter went out to those chosen Churches. These would be the believers. Here, Peter's not speaking of like election as in salvation. He's not talking about salvation here, but he's literally talking about how this letter went out to the chosen people, which is his church. He's speaking about the body of believers, God's elect group, and it clarifies these specific people as, as Gentiles. It includes Gentiles. He says, To the chosen, living as exiles dispersed abroad in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, which you just saw on the map, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. In other words, I love the word foreknowledge because you think about God's foreknowledge just for a second. How how far back does his foreknowledge go? We live on a linear timeline that's easy for us to understand, but how far back does God's Foreknowledge go. Eternity past. I mean, from the very beginning, like Warner, he knew that you're going to be sitting right in that seat there this morning. and eternity past. Based on his foreknowledge, he knew that you were going to choose to love him. He knew it all along. It was based upon. That, he's like, the foreknowledge of God the Father. God had a plan of redemption. Obviously, it was Jesus dying on the cross, being buried and risen again, and, and people were going to come to know the Messiah by faith. I was just having a discussion earlier about, this whole thing is about faith. Like, i i said I said to my friend i said, I believe God's word is inerrant it's infallible, but this book right here is has errors in it because this, this is a translation this is a translation that I'm reading and it's got errors, but it doesn't change what God's plan is it doesn't I'm able to sit here and read this and be able to understand it and all it simply is is the gospel, which is good news. Amen. And we're gonna teach the good news right here. He says, the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient. In that context right there, obeying Jesus Christ is believing in the gospel. Well he he growing up to hear the word obedient, to hear the word obedient, I was told how to be obedient mainly by my mom you know teaching me how to be a good christian right we kind of grew up that way when when really all it's saying right here is just believing in the gospel what matt was saying about how did abraham receive his salvation he just simply believed and so i believe the gospel is true all who believe all who believe are sanctified that means you're set apart from everybody else who does not believe. You're, you're, the scripture says you're sanctified, and that has an ED on the past. It had, ED means past tense. You've already been sanctified. You've been sanctified. There's nothing that you can do to change that. You've been set apart. You've been made holy. You've been made perfect. You've been forgiven. It happened back at the cross one time. That's the beauty of this. <laughs> and then, of, of course, they, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, that that literally just means that you're reserved. You're reserved here in this day and this time and this space just to display God's grace. That's what you're here for. How cool is that? If if that's what I'm supposed to be is just displaying God's grace, it took me, I'm still learning how to display God's grace, how to not be judgmental, how just to love people. It says, and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you. He said, blessed be the God of, and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth. He's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Believers are literally cleansed from their sins by the death of Christ. Christ and made, and literally, you're made a new creation. Well, Abraham believed it was credited to him to righteousness because Christ hadn't come yet. Now Christ has come. He's died on the cross. And literally you believe and you've been made righteous. You've been born again. You are a new creation. That's who you are. And about the resurrection, the resurrection, it completely gives us a new nature. I know uh, some of you think that you are warring with two natures because you have this battle going on and there. I, I don't doubt that there's a battle because I have the same battle going on up here in this noggin, even right now. There's a battle going on, but let me tell you something. I am a new creation, and it says old things have passed away. What passed away? My old nature passed away. My sinful nature. I still sin. I admit I sin. <laughs> Just hang out with me for a while. But that's not of my nature. And so when I do, it doesn't even make sense for me. But I still do. If the resurrection is not central to our theology, then we only have half the gospel. That's just the point. We will understand that Christ died for our sins. uh, But we also understand that the life of Christ saves us. On a moment by moment basis. And it all happens because of Christ's resurrection. He says, and into an inheritance, oh, this is big, and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Christians, believers, cannot lose their salvation, it's imperishable. Like, you don't step in and out of this thing. Oh, I'm going to do it for a few years, and then I'm going to live my life and do my... You, it it doesn't work that way. He's literally saying, you've got this thing. It doesn't change. You have this new heart. If you inherently believe in Jesus, and as a re- result of this, our place is reserved in heaven. Says you are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be real, revealed in the last time. He's literally saying God protects His children, though not always physically. Did you hear me? I've got friends that are physically failing. Jim blew it. But God's protecting him. I've got a friend in Betsy who his body is failing her. But God's protecting her. I don't doubt it. Each of these trials that they face and the tribulations and everything else, I promise you, I promise you, that he has a place reserved for us that's far greater than this. It says you rejoice in this. I, I take the word rejoice because in the midst, I know uh, Scott Blood is brokenhearted about his dad possibly leaving this earth soon. But in the midst of it, he's got to have joy. He's got, he's got. It says rejoice in this. The natural outcome of understanding God's grace in Christ is joy. That, it, that's, that's the bottom line, you guys. That's the bottom line for us is that you understand God's grace in the midst of the chaos that's happening here in our world. I could sit here for 10 minutes and list all the terrible things that are happening in our world, which you watch every day on the news. But understanding God's grace in Christ, man, it's got to bring us joy. That's how we live. If our, if our beliefs aren't producing joy, then we're misunderstanding the gospel. He says, you rejoice in this, even though now, for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. You are not immune to negative impacts of the world. It's going to happen. It's all around us. Christ did not die and raise again to somehow obtain this earthly victory for us. The victory is that we have God's grace. That's the victory. He gives us salvation forever. And it's untouched, it's untouched, it's imperishable, it's undefiled says, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which through, though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Christ. He's literally saying right here, the evidence and the outcome of our faith, it's priceless. My, You're going to put a price on my faith? It, it may not amount to much in this life, but oh my goodness, if this is what life is all about, is this right here. <laughs> I have this eternal value that's going to result in praise and glory. I, this is temporary. You guys, I'm like on, I don't know what hole I'm on, 13, 14th hole. <laughs> you know, this game's going to come to an end soon. And it's temporary. This a, is a temporary game. And this is especially pertinent to Peter's context right here. This church was experienced a great deal of persecution, some of it which even resulted in death. And this is why he's writing to them and say, Hey, hey, I get it. Some of you people are dying for the for your faith. But just know this isn't our home. This isn't our place. This is temporary. Peter most likely died from the persecution of Nero himself and a gruesome death. And therefore, it's important that we keep this heavenly perspective of life. He says, though you have not seen him, you love him. He's not telling believers in the church, go love God. He's like saying, it's natural, it's what we do. Just like rejoicing is, is a natural byproduct of what we know. If, if we were told to, to go love God, it's almost like the law, you don't want to. But when it's natural, when it's our heart, he's recognizing that they have this inherent, natural love for God. And that's all the result of Christ's resurrection. That's all it is. So, you don't need to love God more. <laughs> you just need to rest in who you are. It says, though not seeing him now, you believe in him, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy. Man, it's Christmas time and we're singing joy to the world and all this other stuff. And it's kind of fun. There's emotions are running high for everybody and everything else. But if you just simply believe in him, January, February, March, of course, April because it's Easter, right? My goodness. Just, if you know what you have, if you believe in him and you rejoice, this inexpressible and glorious joy, you have a holy living God inside of you. He says, because you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's just the outcome of your personal faith. That's the plan that God had from the foundations of the earth, from the very creation. Go back to foreknowledge. He's elected the world to hear the gospel. Our place is just to respond to it. And when we do, we obtain salvation. Verse 10, it says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you searched and carefully investigated. So now he's going back, Peter's going back to the Old Testament prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to come. Everybody in the Old Testament kept talking about this Messiah that was to come and he was going to make things right. David said, David himself in, the, in Psalms was like, thankful for the sins that were forgiven and remembered no longer. Like he knew what was going to come. They sought to know the Savior would arrive and he would precisely share the gospel and the, the good news this prophet would about what was to happen. So there were glimpses of the new covenant in the old covenant. There's glimpses of the new testament in the old testament. He says, they inquired into what time or what circumstances the spirit of Christ within them was indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of Christ, if you go back to Isaiah, in advance to the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow Most believe, based on the big picture of the Scripture, that the Spirit of Christ came upon Old Testament saints. We get into this thing about, was it in, was it on? There's no question that the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. There's no question about it. I mean, it talks about David being having the Spirit and other people talking about having the spirit was it in them temporarily for a short time was it on them i don't know but it was there the crazy thing is in acts chapter two it is absolutely evident that the spirit came and he took up residence in our mortal bodies like the advantage that we have over the Old Testament, over the Old Covenant, is that God chose to like hang out with me on a minute-by-minute minute basis. Like He's here, he says. <clears throat> Concerning this salvation, oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm right here on verse 12. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. These things have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Here's the, here's the crazy thing. Is like, you, know, you hear all the time people saying, oh, heaven got a new angel. No, heaven didn't get a new angel. You aren't becoming angels when you die. But there are angels. And guess what they're doing? They're watching you. They're watching you. I believe they're fighting for you. But they're watching you, and they're learning about God's grace from you. That's a crazy thought right there. They're they're literally figuring this thing out By watching you. The prophets spoke about the new covenant, and the angels knew about it, and now they're literally watching it. And then he kind of switches gears here in verse 13. He says, Therefore, with your minds ready for action. You ready for action? With your minds ready for action. Be sober-minded. Think clearly. Set yourself up and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, be ready. Be ready to have things revealed to you. When you read the Word of God, don't just sit there and check a list. I've read the this chapter. I've read the. God wants to reveal things to you. Grace is not simply some unique movement of God. It is the movement of God. Grace is not merely being saved. We live by grace as saved individuals. The ability to do things on a daily, daily basis is grace. It doesn't matter what book of the Bible we study. Each book is literally pointing us back to Jesus. You guys say he preaches the same thing over and over. I've literally been teaching through the Bible for the last six years. From Matthew all the way up to 1 Peter. Not teaching the same book, but it's the same message every week. Christ in you. This is what Christians are to focus on. Not returning to what it was like before Christ, but what it is now. Focusing on grace, it says, As obedient children, obey literally means to hear. Just to listen. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. (laughs) That was nice. Conform to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. He's pulling that out of Leviticus. He's literally quoted Leviticus. There's like three different places there in the Old Testament that Peter is quoting. Okay, so be holy as God is holy. Huh. There's your checklist. How many of you are going to be holy as God is holy because it just said be it didn't say do just be I, I didn't make myself holy he did it he made me holy so now i just need to breathe and be holy Be separated. Be sanctified. (laughs) You think about all the things that you were taught growing up. you got to be holy. Work at it. You can do better. Do better. That's what we hear now. When he's speaking about holy, he's literally speaking about the believers as people. All believers are holy. We've all been sanctified and set apart in the faith in Christ. So, watch this. He's literally, when he's referring to this, he's not talking about your status, but he's talking about your behavior. He's literally talking about your behavior. And I still say, be. If you just be, your behavior naturally lines up with who you are. He says, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. There's no question that God the Father is the judge of this universe. He will evaluate whether something is a work of the Spirit or the flesh. That's the whole thing, you guys. When I get to heaven, when I get to heaven, He's going to look at all the things that I've done, not all the sin that I've done, because he's already taken care of that. He died for that, and the sin's not there, but he's going to look at the things I've done. Rusty, did you do these things in the flesh, or you did... Robert, are you doing that? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) it has got the little robot server that. But he's going he's to, uh, I get there and it's basically a judgment of my works. What, what did Rusty do in the flesh? What did Rusty do in the spirit? Everything that was in the flesh is going to perish. It's not even, even going to exist. But everything that I did in the spirit, which is a beautiful thing, it's there. It's there. That's the judge. Conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. I have a choice. It's just what Matt was saying earlier. I can either walk by the Spirit or I walk by my flesh. My choice. If I'm walking by my flesh, I'm doing it in my own strength. That's the difference. If I'm walking by the Spirit, I'm doing it in His strength and it's a much easier road. I I know you're sitting there like, what does that look like? What does that look like? All I can say is no God. (laughs) No God. And you're going to figure out what it means to walk by the Spirit. This is a genuine, humbling reality. It is, to walk by the Spirit. He says, For you know that you are redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your ancestors, (laughs) not with perishable things like silver or gold, God's enduring word right here, the gospel purifies the souls of all who believe in Jesus. This salvation, it it creates a sincere and indwelling love for the family of God. Like, I love being here with you. There's something that just fuels my fire about being together. It doesn't have to be a Sunday morning. It's not about Sundays. It's just about being together. Verse 19 it says, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. Because God is the judge and has saved us in Christ, we can relax and when we show up to the judgment. That blood of Jesus took care of it. It's going to be a good day, I promise you. Verse 20, he says, he has foreknown, there's that word foreknow again, he has foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have purified yourselves by your obedience to the truth so that you show sincere brotherly love for each other from a pure heart love one another constantly. Christians literally have been washed and cleansed from all the sin and set free from its power. You have this beautiful beautiful thing inside of you that you're capable of doing. And when you have that, when you have that freedom and that understanding, the way that you live towards others, one another, it's the same way that God loved us first. Like It's easy for me to love you guys when I understand how Christ loved me first. And then we get down to these last few verses. It says, Because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. There it is again. Through the living and enduring word of God. The world cannot touch our salvation. Peter's writing to these believers who are being persecuted and killed. He's like... You're gonna suffer a lot here on this earth, but it can't touch your salvation. It's not gonna take it. You're good. We're born again with this unperishable seed, God's seed. Because he he's the one that wrote salvation for us. Last verse. For all flesh is like grass. He's literally quoting Isaiah chapter 40. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this room right now is dying. like physically dying once we're born we, we begin to die you have a limited time here on earth just like grass that grows the, in the spring it's going to eventually fade and the flowers will fall but there's one thing that endures forever and that's our salvation Luke I get to hang out with you for eternity Lucky me. It's a good day. The gospel is the eternal truth that God has revealed in Jesus Christ. If I'm one of those Christians that's in those churches and I'm being persecuted by the Romans and I read this letter by Peter, I'm like, oh, Lord, let it be true. Lord, let it be true. I got friends that are suffering today. Let me tell you it's true. Salvation is true. Eternity is true. And it's all because God decided to come to earth in the form of a baby and to take on human flesh and to walk here and to let us know it's for real. It's for real. This isn't just some story in a book. We know Jesus walked this earth. You can't deny it. Lord, I thank you uh, for your finished work in us. And that today we can be encouraged, even in the midst of the uh, chaos and this world that seems so bizarre right now. It doesn't make a lot of sense to us. Uh, but I trust that you will continue to encourage us and cause us to remain focused on you, the hope of glory in each of us, the hope of glory in each of us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.